Chris Hubbard has played. I, that was a little surprising to me. And so I think they're kind of going in blind, not knowing what NPF is going to look like. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Fries, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and you can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined as always by producer JT. You can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, happy Tuesday afternoon as we're recording this for our Wednesday show. How are you? I'm good. Um, I want to I want to talk about something pressing here at the top of the show. Okay. I, I, I need your take because I think the biggest thing of the week has been has the Taylor Swift NFL takeover gone too gone far? Gone too far. Sure. And what, what's I, your opinion on this? Well, I thought it was okay until you sent me a mock-up of the Madden 25 cover where it's Taylor Swift. And now I'm just like very scared that that's exactly what is going to happen. Yeah, no, that's where we're, I mean, there's nothing to be scared about. It's it's not an if, it's a when. Like this is the road we're going down. If, if those of you that are watching uh, with us, I have it pulled up right here. It's uh see ps5 madden madden 24 with taylor swift on the cover that's that's the direction we're headed with this and you can find that image if you'd like it on my on my twitter account um i I, i'm not i'm unbothered by it largely because i get it so i kind of um i'm gonna play both sides here a little bit because i understand the frustration around it i'm not a swifty i don't like i think she she is very I, i i really respect her for what she does she's fantastic at what she does she is easily the most brilliant marketer in the public eye in at least the U S but maybe the world, like what she does and the way that she promotes herself and makes it just prints money. She's got game and I respect it. Um, The NFL also very good at what it does and it's marketing and they also have game. And so when, you know, the largest hottest cultural icon of the moment, shows significant interest in your product by dating one of your star players. And it's a very public thing. And there's like, it's just the most low hanging fruit of engagement and a way to tap into a new fan base in, you know, people that not to totally, uh, not to totally profile here, but folks that are Swifties. I don't think, I think the, the Venn diagram of Swifties and football fans, the crossover is relatively marginal. I, so, I, would, I would agree with that. So tapping into that fan base is probably good. But I also understand people that are so sick and tired of the coverage, like changing the Instagram bio, changing the Twitter header, like all of this stuff that they're doing, really leaning into it. I get it. I do have a conspiracy theory a little bit on it, though, JT. Um, I think all of this is going to be it's going to stay hot. It's going to stay um, aggressive. This this like marketing, advertising, hype train campaign situation is going to be off the rails like this for the next I don't know how long it is, 10 days, week and a half, two weeks, however long it is until Taylor Swift's uh, Eras Tour documentary movie comes out. That's what all of this is at the end of the day for for her. Like, I'm sure she her and Travis are deeply in love and she definitely won't be writing breakup songs about him. They're going to be gassed, by the way, in about a year or two. Right. But besides their budding romance, which whatever, I'm glad they're having a good time. Um, I think that the the public eye portion of all of it is mostly a very good way. I mean, what's the most, what is the easy, like it's, it's fall in America. What is the vessel to most easily reach the most Americans this time of year? 
it is NFL football. Like just, just be a part of the NFL and what they're doing. And you instantly have tens of millions of eyeballs on you and therefore your brand. And therefore the documentary that's going to come out and the NFL is going to help you in promoting that. And she wants to, I I've read articles about how she's like wanting it to be the most popular, biggest, um, like tour documentary ever, which it was already going to be, I'm sure. But now it's a lock and good for her. And she's going to print money off of that, too. So I, I I do just have to say the fact that on Sunday Night Football, like eight out of t- every 10 like commercial breaks was right. like started with the trailer for that that exact thing. And, and like it would just be like Taylor Swift and then it would cut away and then you would see the trailer being like, go see this next week or whatever. I, sure. I found that very interesting. Have you so also noticed I'm how there, there have been some Travis Kelsey commercials that you didn't see before this started? And now, like, I'm not saying they were filmed recently, but I feel like I'm seeing more of him in advertising recently. And it just happens to coincide with this whole situation. Yeah, I, I, I would. I also think, did you did you see what Aaron Rodgers called? Travis Kelsey this morning, Mr. Pfizer. Is that what, yes. is that what he, yeah, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Pfizer himself. I did see that this morning. I, I saw a lot of yeah. people get mad about that online and um, you can be mad about it all you want. Like, I'm not going to inject my personal opinion into it. If, if you're going to tell me that's not objectively funny, you're wrong. Like it's hilarious. Um, so yeah, um, let's get to what we're actually talking about today. And uh, we've got an awesome guest with us, friend of the show, Sam Phelan over at A to Z. He is getting settled behind the scenes. We'll bring him in in just a second. Before we do, got to shout out our wonderful and amazing sponsors here at the Hot Read Podcast, Boombox Craft Pizza and Tap House, three locations here in the Middle Tennessee area in East Nashville, Murfreesboro, and the location where we are live every Thursday night before Thursday Night Football in Spring Hill. They have fantastic pizzas that are not only high quality, but they are pizzas, uh, the, the type of which you've never tried before. We love their green chili chicken pizza, which is something that I had never had anything close to before experimenting with Boombas. And now it's my fa- favorite go-to pizza right now. Um, JT, I know you've been kind of experimenting the last couple of times we've been there with some other. I know that they have a um, they have a barbecue pizza that is a, what, do you remember the name of it? There's a there's a very highly rated bar- barbecue pizza that is on my to do list. The brisket Thursday. one, yeah, the, the brisket house one. brisket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's on my to do list for this week. Um, there's just it's it's just a laundry list of of delicious sounding pizzas that I can't wait to try, and you should come try them with us live on Thursday nights when we record the podcast live from Spring Hill. Just a 20, 25 minute drive down the interstate. If you're in the Nashville area, we hang out before Thursday night football, record the show, talk Titans preview before that week's game, and then we hang out at the bar, get some delicious food and drink before Thursday night football, hang out and watch the game. It's a good time. And we're doing gift card giveaways for the first person that shows up each week and says hello. So make sure to come down, get some free food on us and enjoy Boomba's craft pizza and tap house. All right. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube, by the way, if you're listening with us live, or if you're not for that matter, I always single out the live listeners. If you're listening on podcasts, still go to your YouTube app right now. Find Broadway Sports Media on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. It costs you nothing. It's very helpful to us and would appreciate if you would do that for us. All right, now let's bring in our guest today. We're talking Titans with friend of the show, Sam Phelan. Sam is a beat reporter covering the Titans for A to Z Sports here in Nashville. Sam, how are you? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, man. I'm great. Uh, Happy to be talking ball. So not... Can't think of a better way to spend a, a Tuesday evening than talking some ball with some buddies. So thanks for that. That is me. good company, man. I appreciate that. Um, we're talking a little bit of last week, a little bit of next week. And this is, you know, there's always a theme, a narrative theme, it feels when when you're 
when you're doing what we do and you're trying to find the story, find the thread of where the story with this team is going week after week. Some weeks, um, I, th- I felt after that Browns game, it was a difficult one to really spin in any way because nothing worked. And it's like what you can't really contrast the good and the bad. It's just gradations of horrible. This week, the complete opposite, right? And luckily, they happen back to back. And so you can kind of combine the two weeks and say, which one of these performances is more indicative of what this Titans team is? And so that's where I want to start today. Kind of, you know, would the real Titans please stand up? What do you take away from the last two weeks of football from the Titans? What do you think is replicable the rest of the season? And what do you think may be... Um, you know, maybe a little bit smoke and mirrors from last week and in Cleveland was more indicative of what this team actually is. Yeah. So, I I mean, I think the definition, at least so far of the 2023 Titans is inconsistency, both in the box scores, obviously, but Mm -hmm. also in individual performances. And and that's something Mike Vrabel, uh, as you know, Easton harps on and a lot of his press conferences and players love to talk about in the locker room. And I think it translates to what we've seen on the field so far is a team that you're like, where did this Titans come from? Right. Where did that Titans come from? Yeah. And we're doing this up and down roller coaster. So my hope is that the 2023 Titans end up not being this roller coaster story. That's like good, awful, good, awful, great, awful. Sure. Uh, but that we can start to see some more positive momentum and building as far as individual factors of that game. Uh, the only thing that I think doesn't translate or maybe won't translate down the line is the Titans secondary and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how different that game plan potentially looks with a healthy Joe Burrow. Um, with that the quarterback very... is not throwing the second he gets the ball, right? You, right, you well, actually right. have to survive downfield more than 1.4 seconds. Yeah, I, I looked at the stat today. Week one against the New Orleans Saints, Derek Carr threw 15 passes, 10 or more air yards beyond the line of scrimmage, like right. 10 plus yards down the field. Week two, Justin Herbert threw 16 passes uh, of that nature. Week three, Deshaun Watson threw nine. Joe uh, Joe Burrow threw four on Sunday and was Mm. one for four on those completions. So uh, for a Titans secondary and defense that keeps saying, oh, well, let's not give up explosive plays through the air. Your job's a lot easier when all of the plays are out in front of you and all you have to do is tackle. So I'm curious to see how that group does moving forward. But I mean, I think things like your pass rush, uh, your running game and and what the Titans are capable of doing and like play action passes in the passing game. Those are very sustainable to me, but like there's building blocks of this team that need to hold this foundation in place. No, I agree. And you're right. I I think that the, the most fraudulent is not fair because you play the opponent that you're given, but the most fraudulent way or the rather the most fraudulent element of this team was that secondary that the ability for them to just play so aggressively and downhill, knowing that Joe Burrow was going to get that ball out quickly. That's not something that's going to translate. We can kind of start defensively there because with the offense, I agree, you know, Lou Anarumo is still very good at what he does. The Bengals defense still one that going into that game. I think a lot of people, I certainly was of the mind, good defense, not, not, not a uh, walkover in any way. And, and the Titans offensively, it, it all clicked for them. So we can talk more about that in a minute. Let's start with the defense where you are facing a a more beat up Joe Burrow. 
I, I tweeted a, a couple of clips earlier today. There was, especially on that first drive, um, when I was watching the tape, what was standing out to me was the, the Titans defensive front was not respecting his ability to rush in any way. And it was super evident, even pre-snap, they weren't respecting the the gaps on either side of the center pretty much on a on a play-by-play basis. They weren't worried about Burrow taking off down the center of the line and stepping up in the pocket at all. And there are plenty of, I went and found a clip from his rookie year where he burned a team with a 30 plus yard rushing touchdown in that exact, the, the defense showed him the exact same front. He took off running it, on the goal line, just four or five yards from seven points on Sunday, Joe Burrow, you know, Tier Tart and, and Jeffrey Simmons are both lined up on the outside of the guard with plenty of daylight in the middle. They both take an outside tack an even remotely healthy Joe Burrow was scoring seven points there all day long. It was in, it wasn't a, a fluke. Like they just knew he wasn't going to move. Yeah. So I mean, they, they got home and, and the pass rush was able to get there. My question in a roundabout way coming into this game, we were worried about the pass rush a little bit. I feel like, you know, they started strong in new Orleans. They, they kind of everything disappeared in Cleveland. Obviously they got off to Herbert. All right. But our expectations for them coming in this year was this could be a, a game winning group that them alone could win some games. We haven't really seen that so far. We, we saw them get after Joe Burrow, but do you think we can take anything away from that performance? Yeah. So I loved, I think my biggest takeaway from the, like that front four and the defensive front is how good of a game plan I think it was. And, okay. and I'm really interested in seeing how the Titans and Shane Bowen pivots his defensive game plan based on opponent every week Mm -hmm. like you mentioned it that was not a fluke there they intentionally rushed inside and made all of their pressure come from the interior knowing that joe burrow's got nowhere to go but backing up into arden key or backing (laughs) up into harold landry don't have to contain the edge really at all yeah neither one of those great great options if you're Mm -hmm. joe burrow and and so uh, i mean arden key called him a sitting duck uh when he was on the radio on on monday afternoon and Mm. i think the titans identified that correctly and appropriately and came out with a game plan that by the way what did what else did we hear in the locker room from all these guys Hands up, batted balls. I think yep. they had two, two, three of those that you know two. almost created. Gibbons yeah. had one. Key had one. Yeah, those are the two, two that I can think of. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, that's great game plan and great execution of that game plan. So I'm just my takeaway was they set out to do what they did, and now yep. the question is, all right, Anthony Richardson, whole different set of of you know skill <laughs> set different. and different challenge. What is that game plan going into it? And as long as this group can like do their part of, of containing or, or executing the, the plan set in place for them, I think they'll be fine. Watson, you mentioned the Browns thing. I actually thought they got after Deshaun Watson good. They True. Just they got there. They just didn't, they didn't finish, right? Yeah, yeah, they didn't you finish. You got to tackle him. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I think that's something that'll kind of correct back towards the mean as we as we go here. I think that that's fair. Let's dig into the offense a little bit before we talk about this Colts matchup. Um, and like I said, not, not really an asterisk performance in my book. I think that the Bengals defense is league average, if not a little bit better than league average. Um, it, it certainly wasn't helping that the Bengals defense was on the field as much as they were. But in that first half was really when the Titans were doing their damage. And um, I, I, my my first question is, when this offense 
clicks across the board like it did in this game. What is the best version of what the Titans can be as far as an offensive threat? Did we see that on Sunday, or do you think there is another gear potentially for them um, if they maybe get a key player back or if they uh, really emphasize a certain element of the game? Like, Do you think we've seen the best of what they have to offer in Tim Kelly's offense? Uh, for the most part, yeah. I mean, I think that that first half against Cincinnati was like it, kind of the blueprint for what the Titans offense can be and needs to be. Right. If there's one area, uh, like obviously it's like the offensive line needs to be consistently improved. And if they are what they were <laughs> against the Bengals, I think you're fine. You know, how does adding Nicholas Petit-Frere and Peter Skaronsky back into the mix help you like maybe that does make that a more consistent effort the only other addition that i think will help them is kyle phillips coming back and just the short game short area quickness to convert third and five third and six or even just a first down pass like right. you saw ryan Tannehill kind of do it a couple times to deandre hopkins uh against cincinnati where mm -hmm. it's a two-step drop and a gain of six yards and you stay you know, ahead of this, ahead of the chains and moving the ball. So Kyle Phillips coming back, I think will help them, but that is what the Titans offense is going to look like when they're at their best. They're going to assert the run, have play action to help them score quickly. And when they need to take 10 minutes off the clock in the second half, they can do that by giving the ball to number 22. Well, since you brought up Phillips, I'll go ahead and get into this. You know, we look at the metrics and I'm sure you've seen this, Ryan Tannehill has been pushing the ball downfield so far this year really aggressively. Yeah. I think that's by design, and it's what Tim Kelly wants to see out of this offense. It, if you in a bit of a pessimistic way of viewing this offense, like I think that they know consistently reminding defenses that they they are a threat downfield is the only way to keep defenses from playing like Cleveland did in that game, just all downhill in their face, trying to overwhelm the offensive line and crush the run game. And, and to their credit, for the most part, the Titans have been able to prove themselves as a viable downfield threat with guys like uh, Traylon Burks and Chris Moore. Shout out Chris Moore, 33 and a half uh, yards per catch so far. Those guys have been carrying that element of the game, but they really have hollowed out the middle class of their offense. It's been a lot of passes behind the line of scrimmage, screens, screen looks, and their their tried and true run game. And then it's been trying to take shots downfield. I believe Tannehill's average depth of target still is north of 10 yards at this point. So having a guy back like Kyle Phillips, and of course the caveat is if he can play more than one game, right? Like if he can stay healthy, which is the if in that sentence is the Spider-Man meme holding the bus back. Like that's, we have no, it's, it's doing a lot of water carrying there. If he can stay healthy. I've seen a lot of people online talking about oh, Kyle Phillips come back to this team. Who cares? You should care if he stays healthy because he brings a skill set to this team that no one else on this roster has. His short area quickness and ability to get open. It's different. Uh, I I don't remember there ever being a player that I'm like, I was so impressed with Kyle Phillips throughout training camp in yes. 2022. Mm -hmm. And like, I was like, okay, this guy's for real. And they came and opened the season against the New York Giants. And he was Ryan Tannehill's go-to guy in that game. And Security it, blanket, totally. reaffirmed everything that I had thought and previously thought about training camp. And he gets hurt on that last catch, which put them in position to kick a game-winning field goal, which Randy should Bullock have won did. them the game. 
Right. Uh, but a, a very clutch catch. And you're just like, wow, Kyle Phillips, like they found something here. Mm-hmm. And he hurt his shoulder and went down and then had the hamstring and was down again. And I, I think he had three catches for the rest of the season, maybe two catches. For it the was two or three. It was less than five. I mean, it was, uh, he was non-existent even in the games that he did play. And then he comes out in training camp this year and he's a lot of talk about, well, he's bigger now. His play strength is better now. It, this is a different guy than you saw last year. And then he gets hurt, not because of his size, but just kind of an unlucky contact injury getting rolled up on in Minnesota deals with the knee. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to expect from him. And I want to believe every fiber in my being wants to believe that we still have Kyle Phillips of training camp 2022 and the New York giants, but it's also been 13 months since we've seen that guy play football in a game at that level. And so I don't blame Titans fans that have some reservations about this. There's a lot of question marks and mysteries to one. Can he stay healthy Easton? But then like two, is he that guy still? It, we're again over a year since Kyle Phillips did that, like that performance, and you can only dwell on it for so long. Sure. I, I mean, I would wager, and I, I totally understand, truly, I do, fans not buying it. And, and it's because, you know, from there, it, it's hard for guys like you and I who are, are at practice where they are all month in August. We're watching these guys like, we get a lot more exposure to what they look like behind the scenes. Yeah. When all you see are preseason games and and the games on Sunday, it really if, if you take that portion of Kyle Phillips' career so far, yeah, there's I would have a lot of questions too, right? Yeah. And so I like I've had people in my DMs and in my mentions this week, you know, they they elevate they uh, designate him to return from IR. They take Mason Kinsey uh, off the active roster for now at least and a lot of people asking me, are we sure that Kyle Phillips is really better than Mason Kinsey. And I'm like, I don't know how to make you believe me, but I'm sure. Yes, I'm sure. When he's healthy, he is a completely different receiver. To your point, I I would go as far as to say what we saw a a couple of months ago in August when he was healthy coming off of an offseason. That guy looked to me like the guy that we saw in that Giants game, like we saw in training camp in 22. But I do think it's fair to ask now. He's coming off of a knee injury. You and I see him in the locker room. He's wearing a pretty significant brace. No idea if he's you know healthy to come back and full strength in the NFL. Very different things. Yeah, I don't remember Um, seeing the brace the last week though. Like I feel like that's been. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, it's it's been it's. I've not seen him with the brace. I can't remember. He did, seeing he did have the, the significant, like, yeah. That yeah at one hit. point he did, but you're right to bring up that. I'm not sure how long it's been since he's been in it. Um, but, but regardless, there's a big difference between ready to play and full strength. And if ready to play looks like those three catches he had after that giants game, after he gets banged up where he's not a hundred percent, he's kind of a shell of himself out there. Then it, it may be, you know, those of us that are believers in Kyle Phillips may continue to have to take crazy pills on this and people continue to doubt what he's capable of doing. I just, I want, I'm with you that I want to believe that he's going to be healthy. I just, I don't know that he is going to be. All I do know is that if he is healthy, he 1000% brings an element to this Titans offense that they are missing. And I don't, I don't think they really can be considered a well-rounded offensive attack without that middle class of the passing game. Yeah. Like I think fans need to like, it's hard. Like, right. Don't expect Kyle Phillips to come in and have like 
earth-shattering numbers or anything like that. It might be three catches for 25 yards every game. Mm -hmm. But if those three catches convert first downs, I'd say a couple big third downs, yep. And like, or, you know, it comes in first down on the red zone to put you in in a territory where you can run the ball with Derrick Henry. Like, there is so much value in that. And and so there's levels to this, right? Of like, can Kyle Phillips be a huge boost to this offense versus can Kyle Phillips have 600 receiving yards in the, in like the season? Like they, those <laughs> right. are not the same thing. Sure. I do want to ask you guys though, cause you've touched on it real quick with the injury concerns and this, I've, I've just, I keep going back and forth. Punt return. Do you put Kyle, like I thought Mason Quincy <laughs> looked pretty good at punt return. Sure. No, I, I tweeted it in the press box on Sunday. I said, I have, no problem with Mason Kinsey being the punt return guy for two reasons. One, I trust him to catch the ball. That's important. Two, he's not a guy that you're relying on anywhere else right. that if he gets hurt, you you lose a significant. And, and to your to your point here, he's supposed to be wide receiver three on paper on this team, right? Mason, or not Mason Kinsey. Kyle, um, Phillips, Kyle yeah. Phillips is supposed to be the third starting receiver on this team. Go roster by roster in the, in the rest of the league. How many wide receiver threes? are on active kicker punt return duty. It's slim. I mean, it's slim, man. It is it's, slim. It's not many, and it's not because they can't do it. It's because they're more valuable assets that you don't put out there. In that, I mean, yeah. it was so stupid. Phillips getting hurt in the preseason on kick return duty was the stupidest, most avoidable injury. It was one of those that just makes you put your head in your hands because that shouldn't have been a situation he was ever in in the first place. And while I do think he's probably the most talented returner on this team, in fact, I would say he is the most talented returner on this team, why risk it? I say no. Yeah. And that was, I was going to say real quick, like that is like to your point where you're saying, well, why? Like fans don't see what you do. Well, fans see last time Kyle Phillips actually returned punts, like the, the trouble actually securing the ball. And then you see Mason Kinsey mm. out there this past week, looking like he's playing with his hair on fire. Giving he does you catch plus the ball yardage. Yeah. He does catch it reliably. So I would say like, I don't see a problem with that. If, if you were to keep both of them. Yeah, it's it's funny because I actually think like Kyle Phillips, I have less trust in. Like he is the best returner, but he also has dropped the most punts. Right. If I and told so, you he's going to catch every single one, you'd say sure. I'd right? say make him the punt returner. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's a reason that, like you said, that you had a guy like Kiaris Jackson on the roster to begin with, and you had him as your punt returner. It's because he's your wide receiver six and, you know, or wide receiver five or however you want to slice it. Right. He's your punt returner. And okay. so it, I think it was a pretty curious move and I'm interested in seeing what the Titans kind of do for the rest of this week here. What do you it think they're some, going to do? Do you get the impression they're going to bring Kinsey back to I do have that? to think Mason that's, Kinsey that's will be back on the practice. I don't know if they'll do like elevate him, but I have to think he'll be back on the practice. Squad. That, that, no, I'm, I'm sure he'll be on the practice squad. I just, you know, with Je- uh, and you bring up Kiaris Jackson, I'll be honest. I haven't, he's not been front of mind for me in like a week. Um, we don't expect, I mean, he's on IR, but I, we don't expect I him back yeah, at the earliest I, until week eight, nine. I think it's a bit yeah severe with him. So it's not going to be quite okay. like a four week stint for, okay. for him. The other thing is I don't expect Traylon Burks back this week. So I think, uh, you know, you might have another wide receiver spot. You have Shai Smith on the practice squad who's done some punt return in the past. Is that an option? It would shock me if Mason Kinsey wasn't back on the practice squad, but I don't, I no idea. I mean, it feels risky. I mean, it, it just, it doesn't feel smart for a guy coming off of a knee 
when you have other capable options on your team and or practice squad that can return punts for you to throw that guy in a vulnerable spot to, right. as a returner. Well, you mentioned Burks and I've written down here, MPF Burks Phillips. What do we expect and when? So let's just, let's transition to that. You, you yeah. say you don't expect Burks back. I I've, I've been busy the past couple of days, not plugged in there at St. Thomas sports park with you guys. Do you have reason to believe that he won't be back this week? Or is that just your impression? Uh, just from what I've heard, I, I don't, you've heard. Okay. I, I think it's going to be a little bit more long-term than a week to week sort of, uh, you know, issue here. So I, okay. I don't think there's a timeline on it yet, but I would be, you might be looking after the buy just a, a guess. I, I don't mm -hmm. know with Traylon Burks. Uh, that's, you know, kind of where I, I feel like it's at right now. So I gotcha. Okay. I just, I, I wanted to get, I wanted to make sure there was something that you've heard and not just a guess there. Yeah. That um, I mean, okay. you know. Sure. No, I got you. Um, um, so, so Burks, we're not expecting him back at the moment. NPF is back. The question is in what capacity will he be playing for this team? And, uh, I know that, that you were there on Monday, the press conference with Vrabel, he was asked about Chris Hubbard who'd been filling in there, has been filling in there at the right tackle spot. NPF comes back. A lot of people, th there's some, there's some retconning going on here. I, I personally think that MPF is going to get this job back sooner or later. People have been asking me, well, are we sure it was even his job to begin with? Yes, it was like they brought in Chris Hubbard. Once they knew that MPF was going to be suspended. Hubbard's filled in admirably. Don't get me wrong. I, I do think that people are the, the bigotry of low expectations here. Everybody's expectations for him were so low coming in that because he hasn't been a complete and utter disaster. And the guy on the opposite opposite side of him has been an unmitigated disaster. He's been getting away with a little bit more love in my opinion than is warranted. He's been fine, but he's needed a lot of help. And he's, he's been one of the weaker links on this offensive line. Chris Hubbard. That is what do you think we see from MPF and when? So, I mean, yeah, the hope is that he's out there practicing. Uh, I think, the Titans are kind of blind at this point as to what NPF is going to look like. They haven't seen him since training camp. So uh, that was kind of Mike Vrabel's. I was surprised with Mike Vrabel's. Well, no, hang on. Wasn't he cleared to return to meet? He just couldn't practice last week. So they, they haven't seen him in action, right? He was Correct. in meetings and, and in yes, the weight they, room. They he has not been on the pads. practice field since right, training right, right. camp. Okay. Um, and I was a little bit surprised with Mike Vrabel's response. I was expecting, you know, a, uh, a little bit of like, yeah, going to be great to get Nick back out there. We're excited to see, you mm -hmm. know, like see how he's come along. Have full full faith that he's been putting in work. Kind of how he talks about Kevin sure. Byard or guys like yep. that when they're away. Yep. He was like, yeah, they made their decision. I like how Chris Hubbard has played. I, that was a little surprising to me. And so I think they're kind of going in blind, not knowing what NPF is going to look like. And I am a little bit more on the other side of the coin than you, I think, with okay. this, where I don't believe this is NPF's job. I think he's probably the favorite to win the job because he's the younger guy with the draft pick that, upside. you know, the upside to be their guy of the future. So there is more reason to give him stuff like sure. opportunities over there. Uh, but I do think if Mike Vrabel's happy with Chris Hubbard, they're going to stick with Chris Hubbard. I don't think he wants to like rock this boat too much uh, on the offensive line. If somebody is, you know, playing well. And, and so I think the biggest question becomes like, 
But do you think he's playing well? That's where it seems like we fundamentally I think disagree. Been, I don't think I mean, he's playing well. I think he's well. been fine. Like you said, I think fine. But like fine is about as good as NPF was last year. Was like he was fine. I down, the, down the back half of the stretch. Yeah, 100%. And, and so like I, I do think there was a slight misconception with NPF's play as a rookie too. Where there was like, like this idea that he was some like, oh, he's like write him in pen as your right tackle. Next well, through about four. six weeks, that's what it was, and it was fair. And then it yeah. all came crumbling down. Correct. Right. Uh, uh, so I don't know, man. I, I think I think they're going to have to just stick with what works, and there is some sort of feeling that, like, that offensive line played pretty well against Cincinnati. And, and you know, if you feel like they're starting to get some uh, momentum. I hate to be that guy, but pretty well. Like, it played well enough. Can we say well enough? I'll say well enough. Okay, well, I just, I'm okay with well enough. I think they're okay with well it enough. It felt like it was barely good enough to be like, like it was good enough for the offense to be great. And the offense was great, but you're not getting that level of offensive output without, with, with any, any like 5% less from the offensive line. They, I mean, they, they allowed three sacks. They allowed nearly really think double crowd, digit like, pressure. I look the left side. I look at Dillard and Dylan Raidens and I say, what do we got going on over there? Like, no, that's fair. Maybe we're, like we're looking in the wrong direction. It's totally a fair point. So I like, I don't know, man. I think, you know, if the head coach likes Chris Hubbard right now, I don't, I think there's, I think he's the least of your problems. A mm -hmm. And so I think NPF is in the same, like, this is not Taylor Luan coming back from a right. knee injury popping back and you're just like oh you got it you got to get, get, get there, out right. there taylor like i think nick has to earn this as much as he would as he was a rookie or somebody else trying to like fight for a job now it's nice that if hubbard struggles and, and there's seemingly problems going on you have a guy like npf that you know is is ready available um the other question is like do you throw him at left tackle i don't mm. I don't I, think so. I because he hasn't done it, but like where I don't know if you're familiar with, with my personal like campaign since March on the well before Peter Skronsky was ever a Titan. Let the man cook outside, give him a shot. Oh, I totally agree with that. Yes. I, I mean I'm I'm a I think Okay, they, so you have you been on that boat as well? Because that's I before he was ever a Titan, I'm like, he deserves a shot. Look at the tape. Dude was cooking in college. I'm not saying it'll work, but I'm saying it might. You got to try it. I was in the damn trenches fighting. Okay, fight, all right, all right. You were in there fighting with me. I appreciate draft it. Draft night, I was in the <laughs> trenches, like, talking yeah. Titans fans off the ledge, being like, guys, I promise Peter Skaronsky's a good player. I yeah. don't care that they didn't take Hendon <laughs> Hooker at, a, at 11 yeah, overall. Yeah. I promise you, we're, it's okay. We didn't need Jackson Smith and Jigba right here. Uh, so yeah, I think it's great so far, by the way, Skaronsky can, uh, can play anywhere. And if, you know, I, I have my own theories about what they were doing with the whole Dillard and Skaronsky situation and why he ended up inside at guard. But I think moving forward, he's a left tackle. Okay. Fair. Um, I think that, I think that's all fair. And I, I did find that answer from Rabel pretty surprising and a little bit coy. It felt like, uh, so, hmm, it was, it, not, it, kind you of. have to say it wasn't like, sometimes it's like, Hey, so-and-so's come back. He's like, yep. It's going to be good to have him out there. Like have excited to have him back. It's going to be, it was kind of a question about NPF where he goes. I know. I like even I like, a guy like, like Kyle Phillips. Phillips I feel like if we asked him tomorrow, Kyle Phillips coming back, he'd be like, we're excited to have Kyle back. Can't wait for him to yeah. get out there, be an impact on the team with NPF. None of that love. None of yeah, that. Well, I like how Chris Hubbard's playing. <laughs> and, and, and to your point, it isn't, it isn't like 
you know, a little one coming back that, that actually though is kind of the crux of my argument for getting MPF in there because I do see MPF as the only guy that the, the, the fundamental thesis here is you really can't be viable in the NFL with two bad tackles. You can have one bad tackle and you can plug that hole, but you can't, you can't do it on both ends. And MPF feels to me like, and this is going on the assumption that they're going to be hard headed about Dillard and stick with him as, as long as they possibly can, which maybe they won't, but do we really have reason to believe that they won't um, just, you know, go to week 15 before they take a shot with somebody else. I do you, do you see any world in which unless it's truly like he's allowing four or five sacks every game, they move off of Dillard at left tackle anytime soon. Yes, you do. And I didn't think I would, but yes, I do. I, I don't know what the threshold is or what the standard is there. Okay. Uh, Maybe like a bi-week switch I out think, or something? I think the Titans I, the Titans brass put too much into this roster being a, a contender for one man to be their uh, detriment here. And so I think, you know. Couldn't you say the same about last year, though? Like, what's the difference? What's the difference I, with how I, they stuck with I Bailey? Don't think, I don't think they had another option. I mean, like w- they their only other guy last year was LaRaven Clark. Like they were they were fresh out of options, and I think there is more potential to try a Dylan Raiden's Peter Skaronsky. I mean, Raiden's existed last year. Chris Hubbard. They finally Justin. put him in there, and then he tore his ACL. I mean, there's five guys, right? I mean, Hubbard, Murray, Skaronsky, Raiden, like. There's a number of guys you could throw at left tackle. You've got a full bullpen now. This is true. There's a full bullpen. And uh, I also think there's part of it where you might want to see what you have in some of these younger guys before you get to the offseason and have to see if you need to draft a left tackle or sign a left tackle. Like Mm. if Peter Skaronsky is going to be your future left tackle, maybe see him out there for a game or two. Or what is Dylan Radins on this team moving forward? being a former second round draft pick that, you know, hasn't played a ton of tackle before. Is he a tackle? Can Nicholas Petitfer move to the left side eventually, or is he right side only? Those might be questions they want answered. And I think if they hit a point where the patience with Dillard is up because they know, all right, we can't mess around with this anymore. We need to win and we need to win now and Mm -hmm. try anything. I could see a scenario where it is. I think it's more likely than last year's deal with Dennis Daly, just because I think like the options are more plentiful behind the starter. Like last mm. year, I mean, LaRaven Clark, woof. I mean, that was your <laughs> second best <laughs> sure. tackle option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's totally fair. That was a good conversation. I love that. Um, two more things before we get out of here. Looking at the Titans Colts game, first divisional game of the year for the Titans. They are currently in fourth place in the two and two AFC South because they are the only team to not have played a divisional opponent yet. What are some things before we dive into the Colts in particular about this group in the AFC South? Because you know, every, every year we come in, you, you look at the Titans' schedule, you, you look at the landscape of the division, you feel like in your head you have a pretty decent understanding of what this group looks like, and then of course that gets shattered by a month in, and here we are a month in, and things that I think were pretty popular convention in August, real it really has not come to fruition so far couple teams overachieving, one team in particular underachieving so far. What surprised you most about this division? Uh, the two rookie quarterbacks being this good this soon. Good answer. Um, yep. 
CJ Stroud was my favorite quarterback in the draft coming out. Mm. Uh, I liked him exponentially more than Bryce Young. Uh, I was kind of low on Anthony Richardson as far as what he could be for the Colts immediately. Like we all knew sure, the ceiling was sure. high, but this felt like a project. And it, but like even a guy like CJ Stroud has looked far more polished as a passer than I thought he would at this level behind that offensive line. It's been Robert- less the output and more the output in the circumstance, right? It's been right, crazy yeah. how good he's been in such a bad situation. I mean, he's throwing to Nico Collins, Robert Woods, and Tank Dell behind a really bad offensive line, and he's getting it done, and they're mm-hmm. they're feisty at two and two. Uh, and then, I mean, Anthony Richardson already being this good as a passer has been very surprising to me as well. We, Have you like, seen the discourse today? Anthony Richardson's actually a bad quarterback online. That's the take today. I where I well, haven't I'm, seen that. No, I'm so, saying like I'm so, saying to those people that are saying that. Oh, where? oh I got I'm you. Not I got you. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that's it's the ultimate. Have you actually watched Anthony Richardson litmus test? Because if you watched it, it's it's special. There's some special there. Yeah, I mean his ability to like create explosive plays, not just on wide open receivers and deep balls, but fitting balls into tight windows. Obviously, we know what he can do with his legs and then how his explosive athleticism has allowed them to run the ball successfully with Mm -hmm. Zach Moss and insert running back here. So uh, how that might progress for Indianapolis moving forward uh, as maybe Jonathan Taylor gets back into the mix. Um, Very interesting back this week. I mean, like we've known that it was technically possible. I got to be honest. I kind of unplugged from that hole. Anytime I see Jonathan Taylor, I scroll at this point. I I don't I'm with you. I knew it was possible that he's back this week, but now we know that he, you know, they're saying he's maybe going to practice this week. If he is back, I don't expect a a big impact from him. I I don't think, I don't think he's going to be the guy they have circled at the top of the whiteboard. Like yeah. otherwise may be last year, for example. Well, I mean, and Zach Moss has been good enough that I've been good. Like, yeah, yeah. He's like, you stick with what works, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as the AFC is concerned, I like, or AFC South is concerned, Trevor Lawrence, like has been okay. Overall, like the Jags have obviously been underwhelming. I don't think Trevor Lawrence that I don't think that falls on his shoulders. I but- totally agree. And I'm glad because that's, that's been my take that I've been like the, the, the knives at your throat. What take or that's me. Like, Trevor's yeah. been good this year. The, the stuff around him has kind of sucked. It's kind of sucked True. so far. Yeah. yeah. And, so- and I think that their play calling is whack by the way, just press Taylor should, I mean, for Titans fans, they should hope he calls plays all year long, but I don't think that will be the case. Maybe uh, I'd like to say, Hey, I, I think the Jags are, I think people were a little too quick to write them you know, off or write them, as write them off victors. here. I think people okay. pulled out the pitchforks after week three and a one and two start. Uh, and you know, I, I still think that's a pretty good team that, you know, has, I know a, I agree. has the best yep. quarterback. We're, in we're still on the same page about it. Yep. Could probably still win 10 games, 11 games. Uh, you know, it is a tough schedule, so they don't have that going for them. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, biggest surprise, I like the immediate impact that Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud have had. And for a, a Titans fan, I'd be like, uh-oh, like we already have Trevor Lawrence. And now these two guys look feel like the odd good. man out. They, we look real good real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Our guy is inactive still. So yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Were, were you the one I was talking to in the press box on Sunday? It's like this week, week four, we got to see five rookie quarterbacks yeah. start. We had Aiden one of them was not Will Levis. PTR, yeah. In fact, he was not active. Um, not necessarily an indictment of him, but certainly not glowing uh, praise of him. I, I agreed with the general uh, 
the general take on the AFC South. Um, I, I do, I do think it is. It's one of those things. A lot of Titans fans this year, the 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 talk was, well, you know, this team second place schedule. You're getting four games against the Colts and the Texans. Now it's like second place schedule. But you got to play four games against the Colts and the Texans. <laughs> Though those two offenses, all of a sudden, no easy out. And you know, as the divisional games go certainly room for some some strange things in this divisional game titans colts we've already touched on how it couldn't be any bigger of a difference going from trying to defend one-legged joe burrow to containing anthony richardson uh in the pocket containing that rushing ability it's going to be such a different challenge for them do you think that they take the the you know the the playbook that they have established for break glass in case of emergency when playing Lamar Jackson, when playing Josh Allen, these other rushing quarterbacks in the league that you have to contain. Is it going to be more of a, we're going to hear in the locker room this week a lot contain, don't kill, you know, the, their, their favorite, their favorite go-to with these passers that can, that can run like this. Is it going to be a lot of um, capture? Don't kill with these guys. I hope so. Yeah. I I think that's kind of what it'll look like. Um, we know the Titans can stop the run for the most part. So uh, can they haven't know, heard that? I've heard no yeah. one mentioned that. Yeah. Have they, uh, how's this decent run, run defense? defense I think. Yeah. Um, we know they can stop the run, and it, so it's all going to be about staying true to their rush lanes and, and not breaking contain, trying to trying too hard to make something happen and get it, but you know, go and get a sack or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes is a great example of this last year in the in that overtime loss where. The Titans, or just any time they've played Patrick Mahomes, because right. he's done it every time. Yeah. I mean, they, it, it was a game though that the Titans' defense really limited what they were able to do uh, passing the football, and, and kind of really made the Chiefs work for every yard. And as that game uh, started to come to a close, they lost that game because they broke contain on Patrick Mahomes a couple too many times, and he scrambled for first downs and eventually a touchdown. Yep. Anthony Richardson, far more dangerous even than Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. It's also probably a similar game plan to the one they had against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles last year. The only difference is that Jalen Hurts was able to throw the ball to A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith in that game. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure you're as worried about Michael Pittman Jr. and Mo Ali Cox. Like It's a little bit of a different, you know, <laughs> weaponry and, and arsenal that the Alex have. Pierce, come on. Josh Downs. Josh Downs, I was going to uh, say. Respect, respect Josh Downs. Is that the narrative here coming out of this? Uh, I would respect On this Josh show, Downs more kind than of, Alec, yes. More than Alec Pierce. Alec I would Pierce agree, has too. has been a dud this year, man. I don't know how familiar you are with the wide receiver play in, in Indianapolis. Alec Pierce, big uh, Alec, thumbs down so far. Was a big Alec Pierce guy coming out of Cincinnati, and, you know, uh-huh. he was yeah, good I know for, what, like your heart. three weeks? Um right. But yeah, I, I think, you know, that that needs to be the approach that they take is, is make sure you're forcing Anthony Richardson to throw the football and, you know, force these receivers to create separation and for them to make plays throwing to these guys. And you're not dealing with the same level or caliber of weapons as you have in Philadelphia or, or some of these Kansas City, some of these other places. Uh, and if they can do that, you know, I think you start making teams make long, sustainable drives that, you know, opens up opportunities for turnovers and big plays from your front four to, to get them off the field. Let me run this take by you in this game. The guy that I'm worried about in this, in this vein, containing, capturing, not killing. I think this is the put up or shut up game for Harold Landry. Um, He's been better each and every week. We know coming back from the ACL, 
there's this you got to do the time to get back it's it's just a matter of how it works in the past it's his athleticism as an edge that they've really leaned on relied upon in games like these mm. to to set that edge and to contain a guy and not let him not only slip around the edge but slip through the cracks on, on the interior I just I don't know if he's got that juice right now. And there's there, you know, we saw Travis Gibson get a couple of snaps and make a, a play last week. It was funny how Vrabel answered you guys yesterday, immediately cutting off the question about Gibson saying he's going to play more. He's earned that. What does that concern you at all? And do you think we maybe see even more of depth edge cycled in because of that? Uh I think we'll start to see it as the year goes on. Like I as far as like rotating in some of this this edge depth, um, and, and it is one of the biggest strengths of the team is the mm -hmm. fact that like Rashad Weaver and uh, Travis Gibson don't really need to play like at all, which yeah. is like yep. crazy. Um, as far as Harold Landry's concerned, it's uh, like again, it, it's a tempered expectation for me. I, like he is such a good player. But if you were expecting him to come out here and have like 11, 12, 13 sacks again, I think you were yeah. expecting a little too much from somebody off the ACL surgery. So he can say all he wants, like, oh, I'm feeling stronger. I'm feeling stronger. Like, this is the game. This is the game. I think you might just have to come to grips with the fact that like Harold Landry won't be the same guy this season. And, and right. he can be that guy moving forward. I still think he needs to be out there and can be impactful for them in some ways. I just, I agree with you. I, I don't think he has that same sort of like burst or juice right now in his leg that he needs to be that dynamic. About Travis Gibson in this game, this would actually be the last time I want to play him. Travis Gibson is a guy that can win his one-on-one -on -one and has tunnel vision and blood on his eyes going after. A right, right, right. See ball, hit He's ball. He's the exact guy that Anthony Richardson would sidestep and and I watched in Chicago for four years. Yes, you I, did. I, I have seen this guy get sack after sack after sack. And similar to like a Yannick Ngakwe, that's all he can do is get sack after mm. sack after sack. So mm. I, I think Harold and Harold's, uh, speed to the perimeter could help them against the run or in contain. Um, I think this is a game that he might not get, you know, a sack or two sacks, but that he can actually have a big impact for them. Also, like they didn't have an Aziz Alshire on this defense last True. year when they were True. dealing with some of these Russian quarterbacks. And as we saw against the Bengals, that man flies to the football. So I'm, I think that's a pretty good omen. For, seeking for missile. Week. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I can't, I can't get you out of here without, I need the fine people deserve a state of the Chicago bears oh, from our favorite Chicago, uh, not resident, former resident life, lifelong fan of Chicago sports. What do we make of the bears right now? Currently, if the season ended today, picks one and two, baby Start it all over, blow it up. I hope you have faith in that front office's decision-making. Caleb Williams looking nice and good. <laughs> the, the state of the Chicago bears is this is a it's, it's a heavyweight battle mm -hmm. to see what wins out the suck of the Chicago Bears right or the talent of Caleb Williams mm. they cannot ruin this man they like it it feels like the impossible guy like you yeah it's yeah. impossible had like it's like when the unstoppable like, oh, force no, meets the immovable object Mahomes wouldn't have been Patrick Mahomes if he if the Bears would have taken him over Mitch 
I think he would have been Patrick Mahomes still, maybe not to the extent, but he still would have been like a franchise. Unless the organization has some like, literal voodoo magic ability to ruin anybody and everybody. Scheme right. and coaching and, and yeah. all of these things do matter. I think Caleb Williams is, a, is, is can't miss. He is so good. And I stay up way too late watching Pac-12 football every Saturday night <laughs> because I, I, that's, I have tunnel vision right now. Sure. I cannot. I was in like this mode like a couple weeks ago being like Justin Fields. We had Jared Verse. We had Marvin Harrison Jr. with two of our top five picks. Mm-hmm. We're looking pretty nice. And if they come away with anything other than Caleb Williams, sure. I'm going to be pissed at this point. So sure, sure. Matt Eberflus is not it. Uh, Get him out of there. Yeah, they're going to have to. Really, I do believe in Ryan Poles. I'm trying to stay a little bit more okay. patient with him given the hand that he was dealt. So I'm trying to, you know. You, that just Clay, Claypool him, trade doesn't bother you at all. That doesn't. That bothers me a whole okay. lot. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. But I think overall he has. I like his patience. Uh, I think might end up being very good. Like he could have gone all out and like traded all his picks for Chris Jones when like that whole holdout was happening and True. tried to force spend big on the like D line this off season. He is very much stuck to like a long-term plan, which I think could help them uh, in the future. And hopefully his talent evaluation uh, proves good. Uh, His pro evaluation with a guy like Claypool, not so much, but his draft picks have been good for the most part one year in. Uh, So we'll see. I'm trying to give him some time. Eberflus has to go. The other guy like Jim Harbaugh, Jim Mm -hmm. Harbaugh. Who says we're going to do that? We're going to ride this carousel again. I'm oh, I am ride this carousel all the way in the carousel. Okay, all right. And I I don't the train. I'll start the the like the discourse. I'll be the guy that (laughs) (laughs) started early this year. October 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 third. We're starting it. Hey, if if the Michigan Wolverines win the national title, Jim Harbaugh's done all he can. Storybook ending. Got to turn the page. Hey, former Chicago Bears quarterback. Coming back into the NFC gets mm. a nice little like lump sum with a new stadium coming from ownership. And mm. what head coach doesn't want to coach in a big market where they're doesn't like, have to hey, move far. Hey, you can get Jared verse and Caleb Williams and you have DJ Moore, and here's your squad. Uh, Is that he says no. Yeah, sure. I, I, sure. You're, you're, you're the GM. You get one and two, you get Williams and who is it verse? I'd love. Yeah. I think right now, or okay. yeah, what's the guy, the Penn state, tackle he's you know you might need a left tackle so you could do that too my thing right like they i you have to take jared verse i think i mean their their defensive line is so bad yes it is so 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 bad Mm -hmm. they have two sacks this year easton they have two sacks (laughs) for four games they are so bad they're on pace for eight maybe nine by the end of the year they're like they get lucky they might break double i have have i have bears fan friends that are like we're coming into this year being like brother we got demarcus walker i said brother that is is nothing to write write home about my guy like he had six and a half sacks Uh, last year because jeffrey simmons pushed a quarterback into him this is true yeah yeah handed a sack so like yeah it you know, one step. You, you got it. The Bears, Bears fans were they were on one a little bit this, this offseason. They were on hat. one. It's been sure. a tough. It's just a tough go for guys like me across it the has. board. White Sox, Bears, and the Fighting Illini is not exactly the combo that uh, you know kids dream of. Uh, well, at least the know. Cubbies are sitting at home too. So yeah, that was a nice little consolation. For sure. <laughs> All right, 
Sam Phelan. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. Sam, tell the people where they need to uh, check out all of the good work that you're doing covering the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, man. Uh, A to Z sports.com for Titans uh, written coverage. If you feel like diving into some deeper dive articles about, uh, you know, my thoughts on the state of the team, uh, A to Z sports morning show and Titans at two coming on YouTube live. And then on Twitter uh, at Sam underscore Phelan. That's probably the easiest way because I'm, you know, pushing everything out on there. there so go. at yep. Sam underscore Phelan for, for that content on Twitter X. I don't know what you guys are doing now with that, with that whole deal. It's, you know, the website, Twitter, it's, everybody knows what it that is. one site. We all know, yeah, 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 yeah. We, you know where, you know, to find us that one. If you're on threads, you're kind of a weirdo, but sure. you know, I, sure. blue you know. sky, you got a blue sky code. Um, you're not even, not even familiar with that. I have not caught one of blue sky. Oh blue yeah. It's, it's a, it's a third competitor that nobody asked for. Um, Okay. All right. He's Sam Palin. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll be back live on Thursday from Boomba's Pizza, Craft Pizza, and Tap House in Spring Hill talking Titans Colts preview. Sam, appreciate your time. JT, appreciate you being here. We'll talk to you guys again on Thursday.